Blog Talk Radio. Grand Marfilas, Diva Talk Radio. Include the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rose Marie, best-selling author Lauren Hawkeye, and Savita from Los Angeles. Tonight, we're talking about what it means to be radical about your diabetes with inspiration from superstar Nina Simone. For Monique, one of our Divabetic Club members in Philadelphia, being radical about your diabetes means you don't sulk when you talk to others, when others make unsettling remarks about your diabetes. You speak out when companies don't do right by you, and you build a relationship with your doctor. Now, if you think being proactive like that about your health is radical, think again. Although it might be common for people who have been newly diagnosed to feel overwhelmed with all the information they're getting about the choices they have to, be, they have to make, it's also important to be aware that choice, the choices you make have a big impact on the rest of your life. Taking care of yourself and taking advantage of the medical treatments available will help you prevent a diabetes complication from occurring as well as help you live a long and happier life. So get radical and be proactive. Someone who was once considered to be radical for her political views was Nina Simone. But over the years, her music found a wider audience and has been featured in numerous commercials to great success. Her deep, rich, soulful voice truly stands out among the millions of singers around the world today. And on top of being an amazing singer, Nina Simone was a classically trained pianist. In tribute to Nina Simone's fantastic range as a performer, we're showcasing her music tonight courtesy of Sony Music. This American singer and gifted, gifted pianist melded classical jazz, folk, blues, and pop together to create a sound uniquely her own. Let's take a listen. Of all the evil that will have to end Well, 
Wow, I was getting into that one. I had to turn up the volume on a couple of those key Nina Simone phrases. You know, it's all about being radical tonight on our podcast, and I'll be talking to the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, three of the smartest, sexiest educators from around the country, about some of the things that are happening today in diabetes world and asking them, is that, are these radical ideas? Are we making radical decisions about our health? But in the meantime, we're going to take a minute and talk to a huge Nina Simone fan. I have the pleasure of working with her every month. She's not only a jewelry designer, a TV host, she also is our resident poet. Please welcome to the show, Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Lorraine. Hi, Max. How are you? I'm doing great tonight because this is a super treat for me. We're in the studio together for the first time. We're making Daddy's Late Night History. We're, we're working together, and it's a thrill to be here with you tonight. I tell you, Max, it's a thrill to be here in the studio with you also. I always wanted to see you in action, and now I get a chance to see how you really work. It's fascinating, and um, I'm just, uh, I, I feel so privileged to be here with you. Well, uh, I equally, I feel the same way, Lorraine, and you know, every month we ask a diva's descendant who their favorite artist is, and you love Nina Simone, so this show is kind of in tribute to you and as having Nina Simone as our inspiration. What do you love about Nina Simone? Well, I remember Nina Simone from when I was a teenager in the 1960s, and uh, she was always um, uh, just a a larger-than-life character. She had a beautiful voice. She was a classically trained pianist. She, uh, her music crossed over into all um, genres. She sang jazz. She sang gospel. She sang pop. Excuse me. She sang R&B. She sang folk. And uh, later uh, in the 60s and early 70s, she also became one of the biggest voices in the civil rights movement. And as a teenager growing up in the 60s, uh, you know, it was important for us as young black women to have role models, positive role models, and people who were uh, saying positive things in a, in a uh, what could be an entertaining way, but the message was very, very serious. And so I grew up on her music, and when uh, you told me that you were using her as this month's diva, I was very, very happy to hear that. She's always been um, somebody that I uh, look up to, and I enjoy her music, and I still play her music on on the original vinyl. I actually have records. Um, so I, I, I'm very happy to be a part of this, and I was I was really happy to write the poem because uh, she's she's an inspiration for me. Well, uh, you know, she inspired me to want to be radical because I think, you know, she stood up for human rights. I think a lot of people think she was radical back in the day, but when you realize what she was standing for, you wanted to be radical. And we're trying to use the same idea of being radical tonight about standing up for your own health or the health of someone you love and and helping them make better decisions. So it's uh, what a thrill it has been to listen to her music all month long getting ready for the show. So I'm anxious to hear your poem. Well, Max, my poem is actually called Radical Nina. Excuse me. What does it mean to be radical? To be different and make your own choices. To live free and clear in your purpose, in spite of the differing voices. To sing your own lyrics in song that were written for you alone. To add your own music and harmony. Make love to your own microphone. To grasp at the backgrounds and melodies, interpreting through your own senses. Outspoken, unshaken, and militant, addressing all manner of offenses. To say, I am here to the masses, and I am young, gifted, and black. Embracing your talents and riches, and knowing you'll never turn back. Sweeping, deep-seated, essential, fanatical, colorful, wise, intelligent, vocal, and mindful, and never accept compromise. Sometimes they won't understand you if radical is in your creed, but that's part of being a hero, and heroes are what we all need. So, radical divas, press onward. Be comfortable up on your throne Remember the strength of one diva, whose name was Ms. Nina Simone. 
Wonderful, Lorraine. That thank is an you, amazing man. poem. And thank you for inspiring all the divas and dudes out there to get radical about their health with inspiration from Nina Simone. Now, Lorraine, I know you're a longtime fan of Nina's, but I got into her by listening to some of the new dance remixes that have been coming out. Uh, here's something she recorded back in 1967 on her album Silk and Soul that we're going to hear the remix to. Listeners, I know you're thinking, how does Mr. Divinetic Radical? Well, you know, last year I kicked off my health campaign, Don't don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance, and I began talking about sexual health and wellness. So I feel like that's how I get radical, and I want to keep going all year long, uh, making sure that people know they're not alone dealing with these issues, as well as support some of the most amazing writers who write women's fiction as well as romance novels for all of Divas do, all of the Divas and Dudes out there living with diabetes who sometimes need to take a little bit of uh, the pressure off of their blood sugars and maybe entertain themselves by reading great books. Well, guess what? If you or someone you love is living with diabetes, you're in for luck because right now available for the first time is a new box set called a Sweet Life, featuring 13 New York Times and U.S. Today best-selling authors, and all the proceeds are going to raise money for diabetes research. And we've got one of those authors here tonight. So I am so thrilled to support the cause and introduce you to an author that I've had the pleasure of reading one of her books. Welcome, Lauren Hawkeye. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Max. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This collection seems almost too good to be true. I mean, there's 13 New York Times and and, uh, U.S. Today best-selling authors who are helping raise money for diabetes research. They all wrote a short story, correct? And it's all in a box set? Um, it's actually, there's 14, 14 stories, and they range everywhere from um, novellas, so, you know, something that could take you a couple of hours to read, to full-length books. So, you know, it's uh, 1,500 pages, and it's only two ninety nine, and every single penny that we make is going to uh, the Diabetes Research Institute. So um, there's the potential for a lot of money to be raised. I'm very excited about it. And how can our listeners um, purchase the book? Where should they go to Amazon, or where do you want them to go to pick up this book? It releases officially on May 1st uh, to coincide with Brenda Novak's um, Auction for Diabetes Research. Uh, It is available for pre-order right now through iTunes and through Amazon.com. So you can go for either of those. It should be up at uh, Barnes & Noble shortly as well. So, um, you know, go ahead, pre-order it, or, you know, watch online, um, and it'll be up on May 1st. We're very excited about it. All right, so now why would the, why would diabetes be something you'd be interested in being a part of and helping raise money for, Lauren? Um, my three-and-a-half-year-old son, Ben, was diagnosed with diabetes um, a year and a half ago at Christmas time, um, which is funny because I actually uh, – I um, helped out with Brenda Novak's online auction for years before I even had a child, let alone one with diabetes. So, um, you know, it's a cause very close to my heart. Well, and and we should tell everyone Brenda Novak also has a son living with type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, How did your life change when your son then developed type 1 diabetes? Oh, it you know, your life kind of flashes before your eyes the first time they hand you that syringe and tell you to stick it in your child. It's it's just not a natural thing to do, but, you know, before you know it, it's it's just another, it, it's just how you live. You can't let it get you down. And and how do you deal with some of the challenges? Because you must, I mean, how does he communicate highs or lows? Are you just checking his blood sugars all the time? How do you how do you do that with a three year old with type one diabetes? Um, he's just now able to tell us if he uh, if he's not feeling well. You know, usually he'll tell us he needs jelly beans. Um, and 
you know, sometimes when we test him, it turns out he just wants jelly beans. He's not actually low, but, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of scrutinizing him really closely to see if he's pale or he's shaking. Um, with a toddler, it's they're far more likely, at least in Ben's case, to go high than low, just because, you know, every time they have a tantrum, the stress on the body just sends those those blood glucose levels through the roof. So there's a lot of monitoring, definitely. Do you use a continuous glucose monitor? What do you What do you have in your your diaper bag besides the diapers? Oh, we've got. We call it his diabetes bag. It's actually one of my knitting bags that I just happened to have around the day we came home from the hospital. And we've got. Oh, we've got everything in there. We've got syringes and insulin and the freestyle light, the testing kit and jelly beans and snacks and oh, glucagon, everything. <laughs> Wow, so how do you have time to write books? When do you, when do you find time with a three-year-old running around the house to, to keep writing uh, wonderful books like you do? Well, thank you. Um, you it's just it's, you do it when you can. Um, it's certainly not any different, I think, with a, having a diabetic toddler than having a normal toddler, except it's a little harder to find child care. But, um, yeah, you just write in, in little bits here and there whenever you can. And what is your um, story in the sweet life about? What did you What did you focus on with your your contribution? Uh, that story is oh, I'm always so bad about describing them. Um, it's the story of a woman who inherits a flower shop from her grandmother, who she's um, estranged from, and kind of how her life unfolds from from discovering things about her past that she didn't necessarily uh, see in, in, see as they were when she first left town. Hmm. Kind of intriguing, everybody. I think for two ninety nine, we should we shouldn't give out the spoiler. We should let people buy it, right? So they could go to Amazon.com. They could pre-order it right now at Absolutely. iTunes. And Lauren, I'm kind of shocked by the story you wrote for Sweet Life because I have been reading one of your books, and I'm telling you, I read it on the train. I live in New York City, so I read it on the subway early in the morning, and it's quite titillating, everybody. And guess what? Because of my Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance campaign, we're kicking off a whole series of diabetes numerology games tonight, starting with Lauren Hawkeye, Seduced by a Gladiator. It's coming up later in the show. Lauren, you're going to give our guest contestant the description of uh, the storyline behind it, Seduced by a Gladiator, and they're going to, have, they're going to try to see if they can tell us how to get out of that tricky situation if they're living with diabetes. But uh, just quickly, before, because it, we're going to go to our next guest, Seduced by a Gladiator, does it, it happens in ancient Roman times, does it not? It does, yeah. And it, it ha- have you been watching Game of Thrones? Um, we have been, not as much when uh, the three-year-old is awake, um, so we're a little bit behind. But, yes, it's a very good very good show. Can you see Seduced by a Gladiator being turned into a movie? Uh, that would be lovely. That would be a dream can come true. Can you see Scarlett Johansson playing the lead character? I mean, I can. <laughs> I can see it, absolutely. Show. That would be lovely. All right, well, get ready because Angela Bassett might be playing that lead role a little bit later with, uh, as our contestant, Savita, comes onto the show a little bit later. So hang on. In the meantime, Lauren, guess what? We're going to meet three of the sexiest educators from around the country. I love to call these ladies the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. Wonderful. Ooh la la. All right, everybody. It's time to meet my three educators tonight. We've got Stephanie Gaber from Thomas Jefferson University joining us, Dr. Beverly Adler from New York, and Patricia Gent- Addie Gentle from Atlanta. Hi, Patricia. Hello there, Max. How are you? I'm great. Hello, Dr. Bev. Hey there, Max. I have a radical idea for you. What is it? <laughs> well, because you're my favorite late-night host, I have... I have the idea that maybe you could replace David Letterman on his uh, when he is retiring on his late night program. Well, if I do, will you come? Up, will you be part of it every night with me? That would be a blast. I would love to do that. That's a radical idea, right? Yeah. If I couldn't do, if I can't host a Francis right, I would love to. I would love to host Divey's. I would love to host uh, late night. I'd probably call it Divey's late night, by the way. And hi, Stephanie. Are you there? I'm here. Hey, Max. How are you? All right, Angels, I'm giving you a big round of applause. 
All right, so tonight's Hot Topic, Angels, is all about being radical. You know, um, Nina Simone, our inspiration, recorded over, uh, composed over 500 songs, uh, which were several were really uh, recently remixed. We're going to hear one more vision, uh, version of, an, of one of her songs, and then we're going to get right into the top, Hot Topics. Here it is. It's a mosquito's That's technically not my favorite song by Nina, but it got me in the mood and the spirit. And Stephanie, I'm kicking it off with you. You're in the hot seat for hot topics. Are you ready? I'll do the best I can. All right. Well, recently a U.S. jury ruled that there is a cancer risk related to the diabetes drug Actos. I'm curious, do other diabetes medications have a cancer risk? I know you're a pharmacist at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. Well, just recently the... um you know, the American Cancer Society and the American Diabetes Society did get together to take a look at this because, you know, you can't turn on the TV today without having some attorney screaming at you, do you, have you, or will you ever take these drugs? And as you mentioned, there was this um, correlation between some diabetes medications and the risk of cancer. And what's so scary about it is when you turn on the TV, and an attorney is yelling at you that you might get cancer from taking your medications, we're afraid that some of the patients might actually stop taking their diabetes medications on their own without talking to their doctor first. So the American Cancer Society and the American Diabetes Society said, let's take a look at this and see if there really is a correlation between diabetes medications and an increased risk of cancer. And what they did is they went through all the literature that's out there, and they found that there is actually a link between type 2 diabetes and certain types of cancer. So these cancers include breast cancer and bladder cancer and rectal cancer and pancreatic cancer. But the studies didn't show that there was a risk between taking the medications and developing these cancers. Where the risk is, is actually having type 2 diabetes puts you at risk for developing these types of cancers. And I don't want to scare any of the people listening because the studies also showed that people with type 2 diabetes are also at are, um at lower risk for developing some type of cancers. And what, the, what their studies are showing is that it's the lifestyle. People who are obese, people who are physically inactive, people who have poor dietary habits, those are the changes that, causes, that cause people to get an increased risk in cancer. So where, what, does, what does that mean for people who are on these medications? Well, the studies did show that there are no increased risk of developing cancers when you take these types of medications. And actually, the studies are actually now coming out that show some diabetes medications actually lower your risk of cancer. If you are at high risk for developing cancer, like if you have a family member that has one of those types of cancers and you do have type 2 diabetes, you really do need to discuss with your doctor what medication you should be on to control your blood sugars. But the point is, is that you should never stop taking your medications for your diabetes just because you hear an attorney on the TV telling you that you might get cancer from taking these drugs. I'm still a little bit confused, though, because it seems like if I have type 2 diabetes and I'm taking medications, it, it seems like I'm still at higher risk. You're saying that... Because I, just because I have type 2 diabetes puts me at risk, not the medications. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that, that is, that's what the studies are showing at this particular point, that it's not, it's not the fact that the medications put you at risk for developing these certain types of cancers. It's 
the fact that you have type 2 diabetes that puts you at risk. And those, again, it's the lifestyle of some people who have type 2 diabetes, the obesity, the physical activity. So changing your lifestyles by eating good, losing weight, having regular physical activity actually reduces the diabetes progression and could possibly reduce your risks for cancer. Okay, you're, you are a pharmacist. I mentioned that earlier. We're always in, encouraging the divas and dudes to form a healthcare entourage. If someone had a question about their medication, a specific medication, and if there was a risk for cancer, should they go to the pharmacist and talk about it? Would that be a resource that they can use? Or where would someone, if they were, if they were hearing this conversation and they were questioning one of their medications, what resources would you like to turn them on to? Um, absolutely. They can go to their, their pharmacist. The, the pharmacist is well-educated in, in all of this. Um, they could talk to their doctors about this. They can talk to their nurse practitioners about this. Again, this is a taking your medication. It's a risk versus benefit relationship. And the risk of stopping medications without speaking with a healthcare professional could be more detrimental than taking the medication and possibly developing cancer that's unrelated to the medication. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Next up, we, we know our blood glucose meters aren't always 100% accurate, but how far off is too far off when you're balancing blood glucose uh, levels, care decisions, and your budget? Patricia, you're in the hot seat. Let's talk about the new FDA regulations on the accuracy test for strips for home and hospital. A lot of people think these are far too lax and they should be much more radical. What do you think? Well, Max, in my opinion, um, people with diabetes rely on these numbers, and they judge their everyday actions, what they eat, how much activity they are involved in, and um, lots of various emotions that they go through, what they, uh, what they can or cannot do based on the numbers that they are getting from these blood glucose uh, test results. So... Uh, it is very important that um, accuracy is just a little better defined than what we are seeing in today's world. And right now there is some uh, talk with the FDA uh, concerning the relaxed, uh, what appears to be relaxed markers for um, validating the accuracy of the meters and the testing strips. So um, my advice for anyone who has to rely on these numbers and for those who are involved in care, caregivers even, to contact their local ADA. Um, there's an advocacy um, department, whereas you can let your opinions be known, but we have to be proactive in our day-to-day uh, -day dealings with drug companies as well as with meter and device companies. All right, and I'm just curious, are we seeing more of a laxness regarding generic test strips, or if we're buying the big brand, is, is there more chance that the accuracy is better? Or I'm just curious, like, because I saw these rulings, and it seemed to me that they were pointing, pointing out that some of these generic brands might be um, the ones that are really where 20% where or, or greater could be the uh, level of uh, the swing as far as if it's too hot, how much bigger smaller the range is from what you think is accurate. Yes, there there is a lot of variance when uh, with some of the generics. There are a couple out there that are rated pretty highly, but usually if you stick with the name brands, they are pretty accurate, uh, are much more accurate, much more so than your generics. Now, one thing I advise is to always use the same meter and don't jump around from brand to brand. At least you get indications of whether you have increased or decreased because the, the numbers um, are judged according to uh, that same meter rather than using two or three different meters. So if you have one in your drawer at work, one in your car when you're traveling, one in your purse and a different one at home, just make sure you have the same brands and using the same type of strips and testing from the same um, 
we, we talk about alternate testing sites, but do know that when you use alternate sites that the numbers may not be, there is a variance between the fingertips and the capillary blood um, that when you do uh, testing at the alternate site. All right, great. Well, thank you. All right, Dr. Babb, you're in the hot seat. There's been a lot of discussion in recent years about the connection or link between depression and diabetes, but you and your good friend, Dr. Bill Polanski, like to use a different term. You, you choose to use the term diabetes distress. In fact, I, I noticed you used it recently at a lecture you gave at Down, SUNY Downstate. Uh, what is diabetes distress, and why would you choose to use this term instead of depression? Well, um, I'm going to say it's, it's actually one of those radical ideas that um, I, I'm surprised it, it hadn't been identified earlier. But um, I'm going to say that um, diabetes-specific distress um, has really only been a, the the concept has only been around since maybe the mid 2000s, and um, it makes to me an awful lot of sense. It's not the same as depression. Okay, all the research you hear is uh, people with diabetes are twice as likely to suffer from depression, and yes, they may suffer from depression, but not related specifically to their diabetes. And what diabetes-specific distress is related specifically to the distress that arises from living with diabetes, okay, so that the distress is associated with the diabetes self-management and blood sugar control, which is not the same as depression. Depression are very different sorts of symptoms, and um, uh, they're not related specifically to diabetes. And diabetes You're saying that the burden of just the day-to-day -day management is it would be why you're calling it distress versus what someone deals with with depression. Is that what you're saying? I do say that. Yeah, well, okay. and Dr. Polanski, yes. And diabetes-specific distress looks at four particular areas in uh, the life of a, a patient with diabetes. One is the emotional burden of having to think about diabetes and live with diabetes. One is a physician-related distress when you're um, uh, you feel that the doctor is not giving you clear instructions or um, is just um, not helping you that well with your management. Those are not specifically depression. Those are specifically, you know, diabetes distress, regimen-related distress, okay, having difficulty keeping up with your diabetes self-management. That, that's not depression. That's stress distress from the diabetes. And um, the fourth area of diabetes-specific distress is interpersonal distress, feeling that your friends or family are not supportive enough of uh, self-care efforts. And um, those look very different from depression. Depression, um, uh, there's that hopelessness. And, yes, you can start to feel hopeless, uh, with diabetes-specific distress, but when you address specifically the diabetes stressors, you um, you'll get a different, um, hopefully positive um, improvement as opposed to depression, where you may not. You, I mean, you can address the diabetes, and people can still be depressed. Okay, because Do there's a treat, lot of... Would you treat the distress the same way you treat depression? Like now that we know that some of us are walking around, we're dealing with distress versus depression, how we're still not feeling great about ourselves. How would you, what, what kind of advice can you give someone about seeking out um, help with it? Whether it's distress or depression, I, I would recommend, because that's my specialty, is cognitive behavioral therapy. And if for both situations, um, a therapist can um, put things in a different perspective and help you to change how you uh, see things, how, your belief. And once you can change your belief system, you can change the feelings that you have, because that's, that's related. So uh, we can't change the diabetes per se, but you can change your belief and your thoughts, your actions, 
and with that you will change the outcome of how you feel and but I'm going to say with depression it can also be um, you know a chemical um, imbalance especially neurotransmitters in the brain and medication can help for depression medication antidepressant medication is not going to do anything if it's diabetes specific distress i mean the, the only medication right, that i got it help. so if you uh, so hearing this conversation if someone felt they were dealing with diabetes distress and they went to their doctor and and uh, i mean they didn't realize that maybe they thought they were dealing with depression this could be really a great way for someone to find out that it's not actually depression it's distress and begin to get the tools and the resources they need to change that versus just being put on antidepressants and going on with their life, right? I, I do agree with that. Yes, they should seek out therapy. What uh, a in radical either- idea, Dr. Bev. I love it, and it's part of the theme of tonight's show. Thank you for that. If, <laughs> I hope people hear that. That's really important to know. I would hate to think that people are just pill-popping with antidepressants when really what they need to do is sit down and talk about the distress of the day-to-day regimen and the routine, I know you're living with type 1 diabetes uh, and several of our other guests are. It has to be overwhelming at times, but it would be nice to know that someone like you is available to just hear my thoughts and, and, and share these thoughts with, that I could share these thoughts with you and find ways to work around it versus just being told today to medicate. That is correct, and one of the things which you also point out is to um, advise people that they're not alone, especially living with diabetes. So, you know, programs like this, people can hear they're not alone. Um, Being on, um, you know, online, social media, uh, you know, some of the websites, you you can learn that you're not alone. Other people are are managing to cope in a positive way, and that, that's good, you know, role modeling. And then, of course, there's books out there, including mine, yeah. <laughs> that uh, are also, um, uh, you know, inspiring um, empowerment so that you don't have to feel so um, distressed and, um, and, you know, and stressed. <laughs> Well, you have the sweet life for both men and women, and it does talk, ladies and gentlemen, you should check out those books, and we'll post it tomorrow on our blog, Dr. Bev, because you are showing successful men and women living with diabetes and how they've kind of worked their way through distress to go on to do some really amazing things in their life, as well as just change your attitude. And I hope people heard what you said, because that is a cornerstone philosophy of Divabetic, that you are not alone. We're here to help. You can always come to divabetic.org or our Facebook pages and get more help. Dr. Bab, I want to just tell you, during the, nine, during the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, Nina Simone decided to use her music as a channel for social change. She recorded several Civil Rights-themed songs, including Brown Baby, Four Women, Strange Fruit, and this song that I just love. Let's take a listen. because tonight we're really celebrating something radical, the way this woman took charge of her health. Please welcome back the original Divabetic, Savita. Hi, Savita. Hi, Max. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I had to play that song for you, too, you know, that I love you to death. And I, that, when I heard all the Nina Simone songs, I said, oh, I have to play this one for Savita. You and I talked just recently, Savita, about some major changes you made in your life. Tell everyone what you did. And, and well, first tell them about a little bit of your history with diabetes. Okay. Um, I got diagnosed, I don't know, 10 years ago, whatever, and 
I'm I'm pretty. Uh, he told me. I said no. I don't have it. Uh, leave me alone. I was eating watermelon for a week straight. But anyway, I started with the medications, and I, t- I I'm a person who does what I'm supposed to do. But I never. I said I'm not going to be. Uh, living with diabetes forever, and I did what I was supposed to do, and I will say that things were getting better throughout time, but about two years ago, I made a really big change, and that was I I moved, and when I moved, I decided that that was going to be my life's fresh start, period. So the difference was is that I was ready to make myself a priority again in my life. And I got very mature with my thinking, and I set a resolve for myself. And that was to lose weight, be healthy, get off diabetes medication, and never see the inside of a dialysis center. That was my motivation. I We'll never see the inside of a dialysis center. So the but way we I should got tell it, everyone you were diagnosed with type two diabetes, just so they're clear on that. We didn't say that at the beginning. So you right, I am about, type two diabetes, and okay. what I also felt about having type two as opposed to type one. And keep in mind, sometimes the way I think about things suits me. It helps me to get along. But I thought that type 2 diabetes meant that God was giving me a chance to do something about it, that because it could be controlled with, you know, diet, exercise, and eating, that was that put the onus back on me as to how this was going to progress in my life or not. So having thought that, I really did. I started walking. I, you know, the women who've been to speaking hit every single thing on the head. It can get too much medical information can bog you down and make you confused. Those finger strips, I have to tell you, sometimes I would take a finger strip and I used the same site until I felt like a pin cushion and that was disheartening. But I could take my blood sugar at 9 a.m. and have nothing but a glass of water and at 9.30 take it again and I'd go from 60 to 120. What the heck was that about? And then trying to figure out the carbs, the sugars, the calories, scream. It all became too much. So I just did things very systematically. I just started walking. Walking, 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 and I started thinking, how could I change? You know, because there's no magic to this. It's the same since caveman days. Diet and exercise is the, is the key, and I had to know that. So I stopped being sedentary. I started walking and started doing things like I talked myself out of no more soda. Find other ways to to fulfill that that craving. And what I craved from the soda wasn't the sugar. I craved the sizzle. I found seltzer water. I gave up fast food. I'm never giving up drinking because that's part of my life and existence, and that will be forever. But I curtail it a lot. And I started eating far more fruits and vegetables and figuring out how black beans could make a really delicious burger. Like I said, I got mature with my thinking. I I reevaluated my relationship with food, and I made the changes. And it took a year and a half, but I lost sixty pounds. Hi. I look spectacular. Sixty pounds, amazing. I lost sixty pounds. Never thought, and I'm still going for another twenty. And I'm not going according to the rules because sometimes the rules will just. They they stop you from doing what you want to do. But the important part about coming down on the weight, and now, yes, one of the goals is to look, you know, good naked, and I do. But importantly, now that I've come down off that weight, I am no longer on diabetes medication. Of course, we will continue to watch me. And my A1C, when I first got diagnosed, was something like 13, 14. Savita is now down at a 6.2 and has been there. 
So and is this something, Savita? Is this something that anyone could do? I mean, you know, people are hearing that who do have 12, 13, 11, 12, 13 A1Cs right now who are listening to the show. Is this something? I know you. You're a wonderful person, and I think what you're telling everyone is they could do it too. Is that true? That this is something that you set your mind to do, and you could inspire other people right now. What would you want to say to them? Absolutely. Um, you know. Make yourself the priority again, and that's not selfish. Somewhere along the line, people told us if we think too much about ourselves, we're being selfish. Well, so what? Be selfish and get healthy. Think about you. Do things for your health because you deserve a great quality of life as well. You're probably providing it for other people. But get back to you and do things. Here's the key for me. I don't do things in big Spurts. And my thing, my goal wasn't to lose 20 pounds. My goal was to lose two. And every two pounds, I cheered myself. I didn't reward myself with food anymore. I rewarded myself with something else. And that becomes very important. But what also, too, one of the... I think the resolve, the resolve means that you have a goal and you are going to get very focused on getting to it. And one of my resolves also, too, was to, if I could get my diabetes under control, if I could get my weight under control, if I could feel good in my own skin, what that would all mean as well is not only could I encourage other people and convince them that it could be done because I am, you know, a walking testament, but I also can get to the next stages of my life where this is not what's on my mind all the time. Now I go rock climbing. I would have never done that before because I was too uncomfortable. Now I do that. Now I will go scuba diving because I don't mind putting on the wetsuit. Listen, I don't look like Beyonce in it, but I look like the best Savita in a in a wetsuit that's ever going to exist, and I am happy and smiling and outdoors. So I love it. I love it. Thank you, you so know. much for sharing that. Savita, it's time to play our first game, Diabetes Time Machine, with your oh, new South South. Are you ready to go for it? Oh, man. Oh, go ahead, Max. I hope I know the answer. All right, well, Dr. Bob came up with tonight's Diabetes History Challenge. Try to put these three milestones from the 1990s in the correct chronological order, starting with what you think happened first. Number one, are you ready? Luther Vandross releases the song Always and Forever. Number two, Nicole Johnson is crowned Miss America. And number three, nutrition labeling and the Education Act require all packaged foods to display nutritional labels with the terms defined by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Service. What happened first? Oh, God, Max, you know I don't know. But, of course, because I love him, I'm going with Lucifer recorded always and forever. (laughs) 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 Dr. Bev, help her out because I'm laughing too hard. (laughs) You you missed it. First of all, Dr. Bev, are you there? Yes, I'm right here. All right, so you came up with the 1990s. Uh, what, we, were, we were talking about the three things that happened first. One of the milestones was Luther Vandross recording Always and Forever. Another one was Nicole Johnson being crowned Miss America. And the third one was the uh, nutrition labeling happening and, and being consistent. So which one of these things happened first in the 90s? The very first one of those was in 1990, and that was the Nutrition Labeling and Education Act, requiring all packaged foods to bear nutrition labeling and health claims for food. And uh, I actually, you had a program, uh, I think two months ago, uh, about labels. And uh, you did talk about labeling on food packages, and uh, I was inspired by your program, and uh, I I followed up and I read a little bit more about that, and uh, that's when I learned that in 1990, uh, that was uh, the law um, to to label foods. And then in 1994, Luther Vandross released Always and Forever, uh, I'd love to know Luther's reference to diabetes, um, Dr. Bed, but I think I should ask his niece, Savita, tell us a little bit about Luther Vandross and what's coming up in June. Oh, that's right. 
Oh, Uncle Ronnie is getting a Walk of Fame star in Hollywood. Woohoo! On and June so, 3rd, yeah. And you're his niece, and in 1994, he released Always and Forever. I actually think I was on tour with him when he performed that song on Royal, Royal Albert Hall, and it's on DVD. And then, Dr. Bev, Nicole Johnson, she was crowned Mystic America, but for people out there listening, how is she, any, how is she related to the diabetes community, Nicole Johnson? Nicole Johnson was the um, first um, winner of Miss America with type 1 diabetes. And uh, personally for me, she was a big role model because uh, she was inspiring that uh, despite her uh, type 1 diabetes, she did not let that stop her, and uh, she, she went on to be crowned Miss America. And um, personally, I could never have guessed that in 2011, could have been 2012 now, I'm sorry, I've forgotten, but uh, I actually was on a panel with, uh, Nicole Johnson about uh, successful women with diabetes, and I got to meet my role model and share a panel with her. So that's why I included her as well in the um, 1990s uh, um, time machine. I love it. And if, listeners, if you've got a great diabetes time machine challenge you'd like to send us, please do at mrdivabetic at gmail.com or go to our Facebook fan or friend page and send me a quick message. Now, Savita, it's time for diabetes numerology. Here's how diabetes numerology game works. I'll read aloud a random blood sugar value along with a related situation. Then I'll ask you to tell us how you would deal with this situation. Next, the angels will discuss your solution and share some tips. Remember, if you're playing along with us tonight, keep in mind that one solution doesn't work for everyone. Check with your doctor to find out what your specific game plan should be and visit divabank.org for free diabetes game book downloads. Savita, your diabetes numerology game tonight is based on Lord Hawkeye's best-selling novel, which I'm reading, Seduced by the Gladiator. And here, to give us a little bit more description of your random situation, is Lauren Hawkeye. Welcome back to the show, Lauren. Hi, Max. Okay, so Savita... She's become, a, she's become a lean, lean fighting machine. But this is going to be a challenge for her, right? Because what's going to happen? What, what's the scenario? Oh, um, let's say that the heroine is in... Oh, this is tough. Um, let's say she's in the arena and she has been exercising quite heavily for the last 20 minutes. A lot of cardio exercise. So, Savita, you're a female gladiator. You're, at, you're probably in the biggest fight of your life right now, and, you're, and Lauren Hawkeye just gave you your scenario. You're in the, the Coliseum, and your blood sugar value is a 55. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to get off the Zumba. <laughs> I get off the Zumba floor because that's where my, uh, my, my charge is, and actually the man who owns the, the gym keeps little snacks and things for me, um, little yogurt bars. I don't tend to eat candy. Um, I try to make sure before I go into Zumba that I've eaten enough so that when I exert all the, my energy, my, my slow carbs are burning and I don't pass out. But there's usually an apple, an orange, or something there for me. That's how right. we do for me. All right, and uh, put down that sword, Dr. Bob. How'd she do? <laughs> I think she did very well. Um, I would say that uh, for 55, I think she needs uh, a little um, extra boost, uh, a fast-acting uh, carbohydrate. Um, it doesn't have to be candy. It can be uh, a glucose tablet and or or more than one uh to bring her up i would say three to four glucose tablets but it depends again on uh everybody's individual reaction to uh glucose tablets and um if she could just follow it up with a little bit of uh protein in some form whether it's uh peanut butter or uh or uh, some some uh yogurt or cheese 
um, just to keep it from dropping down again. Um, I think she'll be able to uh, go back into that uh, gladiator ring or Zumba floor, and uh, and uh, she'll be able to um, complete the uh, the the task at hand. And the important thing too, I think, oh. is that as it, as we're in this game a lot. That information was absolutely correct, and I would advise it, especially for newer people. I've been in the game for a while, so my sugar's dropping. That used to happen to me years ago because I wasn't as well knowledgeable about it. That's why that peanut butter, banana on on some 100% whole grain, all of that happens prior to. I'm I'm more girded up now before for anything. So my droppings. Come, I don't usually have those anymore. I didn't have them a lot before, but now because I know that I'm going into battle, I prepare. That's that's an important part as we go through these things, to always be prepared. I know I'm going to Zumba. There's no reason to go in there without having... Not only is your blood sugar dropping, but the name of the book, Ray Lauren Hawkeye is Seduced by the Gladiator, your panties are dropping too. So, she's getting ready to have sex with one of the hottest gladiators in the ring. What should women know about diabetes and and sex from a woman's point of view? Oh, boy. Patricia? (laughs) Okay. Well, um, a lot of women who have diabetes do experience some, I guess, what we would call sexual dysfunction, especially when it comes to vaginal dryness and that uncomfortable feeling during uh, sexual intercourse. So to combat or to um, try to offset that, you can always use some type of lubricant. And keeping those blood sugars within the target ranges will also help with that. So make sure you're drinking plenty of water. If the blood sugars are high, that is when you will be mainly dehydrated or if you've had a fight with the gladiator. So, All so right, that, Stephanie, uh, uh, that gladiator might be living with diabetes. How are men in diabetes? How does diabetes affect men's sexual um, performance? Uh, well, Max, you know, again, you can turn on the TV and you hear about erectile dysfunction all the time. Uh, men with diabetes um, are at risk for developing erectile dysfunction and because of poor blood flow or nerve damage to the penis. So um, it's really important, just like a woman, to keep a man's blood sugars in um, target range so that they do not develop uh, erectile dysfunction. And then there's also the psychological piece of it, of having to deal with the stress of diabetes day to day. That could also play a factor in a man who, who might be able to, uh, unable to get an erection due to just having daily stress of living with diabetes. Great. All right. Well, guess what, Savita, for playing along with us tonight, you're going to get one of Lauren Hawkeye's best-selling novels, along with a new doctor's gift basket, uh, Cabot Cheese gift basket, and Dr. Greenfield's diabetes products, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin. Thanks for playing along. And now I'd like to welcome my final guest of the evening. Please welcome to the show, Mama Rose Marie. Hi, Mama Rose Marie. Hi, Nick. What is your tip for this month, Mama Rosemary? Oh, well, this month is April, so I want the divas to get radical about their dental health. I want to urge you to floss. Do you know that tiny particles of food can get lodged between your teeth, and plaque in this area will harden over, over time, creating tartar. Tartar buildup can lead to gingivitis. This is the first stage of gum disease and ultimately can lead to tooth and bone loss. So I am going to urge everybody to get radical and don't forget to floss. Ciao for now. Great tip, Mama Rosemary. And listeners, we're getting to the end of the show. I want to invite you to visit DivaBag's Facebook and fan pages and check out all my videos on Mr. DivaBag's YouTube channel. Remember to tune in next month for Diabetes Late Night on May 13th. I want to thank all my guests at Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks in the studio with me tonight, Mama Rosemary, best-selling author Lauren Hawkeye, 
and Savita Williams from Los Angeles for being a part of the show. Remember, every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. I'm going to close the show with one more song from the lovely Nina Simone. Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.